0: Thank you for joining us on Episode 18 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. I'm Rob Marshall and this podcast attempts to capture the inspiration, the passion, the successes and the challenges of bookkeeping and bookkeepers as well as small business here in Australia and beyond. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers in partnership with Beyond Blue's New Access a small business owners program, a free and confidential mental health coaching program developed by Beyond Blue to give small business owners, including sole traders, the support they need. My business is struggling. So am I. The last few years have been pretty tough and I think I probably need some support. Don't downplay what's playing on your mind. New access for small business owners developed by Beyond Blue provides free mental health coaching to get you feeling like yourself again. Designed for small business owners and sole traders, it's via phone or video, and you don't need a doctor's referral. That'd really help. Search new access for small business owners and inquire today. The challenges of bookkeeping, small business, and of volunteering are all examined closely in this episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper as we hear the story of legendary Australian bookkeeper and former ICB director John Burse. John's recalling of the very early days, and in fact, some of the history of bookkeeping as we know it, are all included in this episode, as well as his passion for bookkeeping education, and in particular, his desire for land care and environmental accounting. Perhaps you don't even know what that means. So sit back and enjoy the amazing journey of John Burst. One of the things that we've been trying to do, or hopefully successfully, on Heart of the Bookkeeper for quite a while now is capture the incredible individuals and people who've made up our community and our industry for a really long time now. And uh, I think we're going to nail that in spades today. John Burse, welcome to the Heart of the Bookkeeper podcast.
1: Thank you, Rod. Glad to be here.
0: John, it's uh, almost, uh, I feel like I'm nearly talking to bookkeeping royalty here, Um, 50 years plus in bookkeeping, they tell me. Uh, Well, not they tell me, you've told me. Um, And one of the things that I'm probably going to call out for this particular episode that I I must say I'm enjoying, I've loved this journey so far. Some of the guests that we've had have been simply phenomenal. In fact, all the guests we've had have been simply phenomenal but uh, you're, you're one of the rare breed, including me, called a male bookkeeper. Uh, our recent um, surveys sort of suggest that there's only about 15% of bookkeepers in Australia are males, John. So, uh, proudly male and proudly bookkeeper, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, it's uh, certainly not like uh, that on most of the
1: uh, Australian boards, is it, so... It's nice to see that we're setting a good trend.
0: Yeah, it's almost like we're the we are the trendsetters in the in the marketplace these days, where there is a lot of conversation about inequality um, in the in the business world, and yet um, we're we're probably a little bit flipped the other way in some some respects. But uh, I want to sort of dive deeply into your journey as a bookkeeper, and it has been a long period of time, 50 years plus, we will get get to that. And I suspect that we will talk in this episode and capture a lot of the history of, of bookkeeping in our time here in Australia by talking with you. But I also know that you're a very deep thinker about the current and the future and especially the environment. So I really want to tap into that side of it as well. And in many ways, you know, I think that, hopefully that will be the, the, the best takeout of all from this particular session. But I like to start off each session of our um, podcast, John, I don't know if you've been tuning in or not, but um, I like to start off with what I call the, uh, the opening balances of a balance sheet. You, you and I have uh, probably prepped up a few balance sheets over the journey and uh, I'm going to kick off with the first, first, part, first opening balance of this particular balance sheet for John Burse. Where is home right now and, and describe it to us?
1: Okay, Rob, our home is Dixon's Creek. It's uh, actually beautifully and sunny at the moment in the, the Yarra Valley. We actually, uh, from our place, you can see De Bortoli's Winery and uh, we're surrounded by vineyards. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just lovely uh, living in the country
0: and enjoying the, uh, the wildlife. So Dixon's Creek is that, um, is that a town in itself, or is it just a locality uh, explain a little bit more about Dixon's Creek.
1: It is a town. it's sort of on the way to Gay, uh, out of uh, Yarra Glen, so it's um, mm-hmm. uh, along the Melbourne Highway. so uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we get all the uh, the B double trucks and the noise of the, uh, the roads is <laughs> up, so I'm looking forward to electric vehicles coming through where it'll be a bit quieter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and electric trucks, yes, absolutely, yeah. We, uh, I'm, 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 really looking forward to that day too, because you know I've grown up in a world of, of diesel, diesel, and more diesel. So uh, yeah, interested to see how a a big B double is going to pull a load using electric, but uh, I, I'm very uneducated on that one. I can almost hear my sons right now going, Dad, let, let's let sit down and have a chat about this one. Uh, <laughs> what um, What is it that you love most about Dixon's Creek? What keeps you there?
1: Well, I've already, you know, I, I did actually grow up in the city uh, in South Oakley and uh, moved to the country. My first posting as a secondary teacher was in Birchip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, just noticed up there I got introduced to football and, uh, and a few other things and Apex and uh, just notice the community. So I, I just really enjoy the community element of the country, whereas in the city it's quite common for people not to know the people on their street or even their neighbours and to even shy away from communicating or reaching out to their neighbours. But in the country, uh, you know, there's more of that sense of uh, uh, the insurance of neighbours and uh, helping each other, which I really enjoy.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, you're definitely resonating with with me. Having also grown up in in the country and still living in the in the regional parts of Western Australia, it, there is something about community in in a town and in, in the country area that well, I'll always value, put it that way, and I'll, I'll never ever want to shy away from. The other, we talked about 50 years plus in bookkeeping and we'll dive deep more deeply into that certainly throughout this episode. There's another 50 years plus uh, aspect to your life and that's uh, a certain lady called Julie and and two others called Melissa and Christy. Do you want, do you want to tell us a little about Julie, Melissa and Christy? Yes, well, uh, it's
1: interesting in the uh, further to the city. Uh, we, I grew up probably about... Uh, Half a dozen houses away from Julie, and we'd never we'd never met. Oh, wow! Yeah, which was, which is strange in South Oakley. But um, I was uh, uh, involved a, a uni student at that stage, and in a band, so I, I probably wasn't as desirable a, a bow for uh, Julie's mum. But um, we hit <laughs> it, we hit it off, and uh, again the the problem in those days. Uh, I think I was. 21 and Julie was 20 when we got married, so we were fairly young. But uh, in those days, of course, uh, uh, because we were being posted up to birdship up in the country, we sort of, all our friends uh, who were teachers essentially, um, you know, got married early. And uh, and Julie, you know, was, was taken out of, uh, you know, the, the comfort of a suburban existence and working. She used to work for the bank and, uh, and also uh, for... Uh, Another you know, started off in computers and so on with uh, ledger machines and so on for for um, Brown googe in, in Turek. Mm-hmm. So uh, she mm-hmm. she followed me up to Birchip. We had our first child, Melissa. Uh, she was born up in Sea Lake. So you know, just the naivety of uh, those days where you know Julie's we waited until Julie's uh, came into labour and then jumped in the car. And drove from Birchip to Sea Lake, which is probably about 30, 40 forty kilometres away. So, you know, the sort of thing you would never dream of doing today, but in those days, <laughs> you didn't think, didn't think twice. So, so Julie's been, you know, I think I've referred to her before as being the wind beneath my wings. She's, <laughs> she's enabled me to do bush work, bush walking, apex football, uh, ICB, all the things that I was passionate about. But um, yeah, uh, she's been a, a very supportive wife. And Christy, yeah, well, Christy, our youngest daughter, she she didn't find education that easy, and she uh, she suffers from Asperger's and stuff. So, and uh, but uh, she's still living with us at the moment with a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she had a, a passion for horses. Uh, my mother-in-law, at the age of thirteen, gave her a horse which, without my consent. <laughs> so, so, got. Got, dual, got Christy involved with horses, so uh, I remember at four o'clock in the morning, you know, plaiting, uh, well, Christy platting the mane of a horse under, under <laughs> a streetlight as we were going off to all of the, um, the horse events and so on. So that was fantastic, but Christy's always had a, a really strong passion. That, that's what got us onto the farm, is rather than driving hours off to adjustments all the time, is having our own farm, 13 acres, so that we could uh, look
0: after our animals uh, in situ. Beautiful, and that that leads me to to opening balance number three, which is, I watch you uh, as I watch, uh, obviously most of us do these days via Facebook and or uh, other social media formats, and uh, you regularly pop up with a photo, clearly taken from the the seat of your tractor as you drive around the uh, the farm, the thirteen <laughs> acres you've got there, and it 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 absolutely. Sends me green with envy. We've uh, I've grown up uh, on farms over the years. Dad uh, bought uh, quite a fair bit of land in the southwest of WA, and over the years we've we've slowly, for various reasons, sold it all off. And recently, sold our our final hundred acres uh, about a year ago. And it is absolutely the one thing that I miss the most is just to hop on a tractor. And uh, to drive around the farm, or we'll do a bit of super spreading, or whatever. What What is your favourite piece of farm machinery? Is it Is it the Is it the tractor, and is it a John Deere or a Massey, or what? what are we What are we driving around in, John?
1: Yeah, it's a. Um... A Matthew Ferguson and yep. a, a one three five. I think it is a diesel uh, diesel one. I've had, I had a, an earlier grey, the old grey the Matthew old grey, Ferguson. Yeah, the old grey Fergie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> but just some of the te- some of the technology, that little the spring clip. I'm, I'm just yes. I, I just amazes me just how. How on farming, it's actually the the F isn't really for farming; it's more for fencing. Yeah, uh, when you're when you're on a farm. So, and and we we migrated away from large, uh, you know, seven, fifteen, sixteen-hand horses uh, down to uh, miniature horses. So we've got we've got about seven miniature horses at the moment. Uh, one of which just gave foal recently, mm-hmm. and that's that's fabulous. See, seeing the birth of an animal and. Um, and just the, uh, the 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 love of horses, which is which is wonderful. I really enjoy being around horses. But the the Massey Ferguson, the you know, the, the the machinery is a, is a, even though it leaks a lot of oil, <laughs> it's um it's 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 a great great level of passion. I mean, I've got to get out and use the uh, the back bucket lifter of the Massey Ferguson to uh, to push all this hay and uh compost that's built up over over a while so that's my next big job once once it's once the weather dries up a bit because it's very damp underfoot at the moment so it's yeah. very muddy a lot of mud around
0: yeah yeah i got i got to say when i'm sometimes looking at a list of you know 30 basses to do with 3 days to go and I'm thinking, <laughs> how am I going to do this? My mind does drift back to you know countless hours just driving around paddocks on a on a tractor with a, a spreader or maybe a uh, a set of discs behind, and <laughs> I, I I long for those days. Sometimes I just love I love that aspect of growing up and. And, uh, and doing that sort of thing. But we need to be careful that we don't turn this into Heart of the Farmer, um, John, instead of Heart of the Bookkeeper. <laughs> so uh, we've got a bunch of listeners right now going, where is he going with this with bookkeeping? But uh, we, we are definitely um, getting into the life and times of John and I know that that is a, a real passion of yours and I'm going to circle back to that a little bit later potentially. But let's let's dig into how it all started for you with bookkeeping and, and more importantly, when did it start and how did it start for you? And it's been quite a, a journey, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it probably started, uh,
1: you know, one of the uh, uh, most influential areas of my life was when I failed Form 5 and um, you know, a lot of people would see the failure in Form 5 as something you know, bad, but it actually turned my life around. Is uh, instead of going out and getting a job as an assistant junior clerk in the public servant I went, uh, service, I went back to school and repeated form five, and started doing commerce. And uh, had a teacher who inspired me uh, into in doing accounting and and so on. And I I did particularly well in accounting, and that then uh, allowed me to go on and matriculate, and then go on to uh, university. And then, uh, then do a diploma of education after uh, filling a, a economics degree, and uh, going into teaching. But uh, it was that failure of form five that that really um, set me up because I, unlike other teachers, I actually identify with the, the kids who were in the back of the classroom who are the failures, and that's uh, that set the tone of my life because right. uh, most teachers are A-grade type students, mm. and they. Uh, they identify with the kids at the front of the class. Mm. But I, uh, going through high school and being streamed out into the, uh, I think I was in the 1D, 2C, 3DF and so on. So I was always in the the streamed out classes that were never seen to be able to go on and do professional studies. Yep. And that, um, you know, I've, I've seen that through education where even you know, the math science students are seen as being the more gifted students in, in school. yeah. And they're streamed on and you've got the situation where even in year 11, you've got to do two maths in order to do one maths in year 12. And I saw so many capable students not not actually uh, uh, introduced to commerce in high school and uh, who came back to me later and said, look, I'm I'm doing accounting now, but I wish I had studied accounting at high school, Mm. Uh, but I was sort of streamed into maths
0: and science definitely one of the things that I know you as, and uh, I'll call out the fact that if people weren't aware, John's um, been heavily invested in the in the formation of um, ICB over a very long time, uh, a life member of ICB, um, also a, a long time former director of ICB. I know it's been a passion of yours and certainly your legacy is, is carrying on, John, because it's definitely a passion of mine to see And uh, certainly the likes of Amanda Linton and and Matthew to see Matthew Addison to see education back in those those um, sort of scenarios, those high school type scenarios to get bookkeeping and and accounting and probably more so the focus being bookkeeping back into schools, and the value of that is immense, and yet probably isn't still as recognised as much as it should be. Um, Is it something? That has frustrated you for a while now. Oh, yeah,
1: just in the curriculum. I don't think there is even a, a, a commerce department in schools now. I think it's yeah. been uh, melded into a sort of a more of a humanities type uh, study. Uh, that that was that was sad. But um, yeah, the the fact that you know there there's a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of bias in education. Uh, you know, one of the people. Who I wrote down, who stimulated me, was Neil. Neil of uh, of Summerhill, and um, you know, how I saw the fact that um, the deschooling and that the schools don't do a lot to promote education. I'm not really a great advocate of ed- of the current formal education process. I like the uh, experiential learning and the fact that most of our our members in ICB have actually come from experiential learning. They've actually done the bookkeeping for their their partners, and that's how they kind of got in. They, they're they yeah. not academics. Yeah. I mean, a lot, lot of accountants are more the academic types who went through and did tertiary studies and be, became an accountant, whereas a lot of our uh, bookkeepers are more very practical people who basically started off doing the books for their husband or their wife. Yep. Uh, in, in our case, because of the statistics on not being sexist, but most of the times it's uh, doing the books for their husbands. Yeah. And uh, from there, they've realised the potential of, of bookkeeping and they've gone on and done their studies with Certificate 4. They've joined an organisation like ICB, built up their client base and, and found a career. Yep. And uh, that's, that's a fa- fantastic way. But uh, that hasn't come through the more normal stream of universities. That's come through experiential learning and uh, I think that's, that's something that, to be proud of.
0: And to evidence that, for those who haven't tuned in or listened to, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the previous two episodes of, of Heart of the Bookkeeper, um, um, Martine Hoosen and Melinda Van Dyke. They, they basically tell that story that you've just told, John, almost to a T, um, almost word for word. That's exactly where uh, two people who are now highly valued and extremely experienced in the bookkeeping community Came through that exact process that you've just unpacked, and that and that is the story. I, I suspect there's, you know, many many listeners tuning in right now going, "Yeah, that's my story too. That's exactly where how I landed in this." I remember the frustration myself of being in high school, John, and uh, I may have told this story before, but um, getting to to year ten in my case, and and facing year eleven and twelve, and and that process of choosing which subjects to do, and. Um, in a in a high school such as I went to, uh, we didn't have the ability to virtually pick what we wanted to. A lot of courses a lot of the uh, subjects clashed with each other, and I saw that two passions of mine, history and economics, clashed. I couldn't do both. I could only do one or the other. And a little bit naively, I said to in the in the interview with the economics teacher, I said. I think I'm going to land on this one because of a real passion to want to learn a lot about understanding tax and tax returns and processes around bookkeeping and and the teacher said to me well we don't do any of that and I went I walked out of that room and I went I'm doing history then and <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe that we wouldn't be in a topic such as economics even, talking about things that I knew then, even as a, you know, what would I have been, 15, that I was going to have to understand probably a year or two later when I got out into the w- workforce. It seems bizarre to me. It really does that we don't have that, um, just that basic uh, level of teaching in, in high schools these days. So again, we'll, we'll probably get a little bit derailed. We could probably debate this one forever. I'm, I'm interested, John, to know Actually, first of all, first question I'd, I want to ask you in relation to what you just said, explain to me, because it, it, it's even a mystery to me, so I reckon it's a mystery to a lot of people tuning in, what was, what's Form 5? I don't, I don't know what Form 5 is. Is that year something or other these days? or That's year 11. Year
1: yeah, 11, year, is yeah, it? Right? We used to. year 11, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm, 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 that, that must have been just a tad before my time. I'm, I, I remember I think my brother Don's talked about form this and form that. I'm not, I'm not across that one, so thanks for explaining that one. Um, so once you'd sort of got out into the, the teaching world and started to, as you said, uh, spread your wings and, and obviously the relationship had, had, had been created with Julie as well then and, and marriage came, what sort of led you to what we now tr- more traditionally know as being in the bookkeeping space
1: yeah well I got uh, our teaching after are a very repetitive it's a I call it a Peter Pan existence because the kids always remain the same age but uh, <laughs> all of a sudden <laughs> you, you realize that you're you're 30 years old and uh, I, I went through a midyear a, a midlife crisis at the age of 25 and um, yeah, you know, I thought yeah you know, I hadn't done enough with my life, and and uh, I was keen to get out of the uh, out of the staff room. I mean, you know, teachers tend to be in a bit of a bubble. Uh, they've been in school all of their life. They go through primary school, secondary school, university, and back into school. And and as as an accounting teacher, I craved the reality of business. You know, getting out there and writing checks and and but I, I felt I was a little bit of a fraud teaching kids accounting, but I'd never actually been out in business myself. Mm. So I, I sought, I sought uh, you know, to get to know the locals a bit more. I got involved with uh, the local football club, and uh, which is a great, you know, sport's a great way, as mm. you well know, Rob, um, yep. to sort of meet other people and, and mix, uh, you know, a- outside your normal profession. And I also got involved with Apex. I, I love the uh, the element of Apex getting out there and helping mm. other people. Mm. Uh, so I'm also actually a life member of Apex. I became a district governor, and uh, you know, sort of actively got involved in education beyond just the classroom and school, but into the community as well. So um, you know, that 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 got me involved with local government as well. And I, I in, the, in 1985, the age of. 35. I was a Shire president as well, so wow. uh, that was interesting in in um, in getting involved in community. And uh, I've always always been an advocate for for community and trying to. Uh, uh, it's similar to bookkeeping essentially. You know, it's uh, bookkeepers are kind of the foundation of business. I see, and uh, uh, as as members of the community, uh, volunteerism is another. Very important area, Uh, we depend on our volunteers and we don't do enough uh, to reward our volunteers. And one of our biggest volunteers, of course, is the the wife working at home. And uh, that's one area that that doesn't get recognised enough. And I'm I'm certainly uh, an advocate of the fact that Julie, my wife, needed far more recognition for what she's done over her life in supporting me and our kids.
0: Beautiful, mate. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, for every person that's called out for doing something amazing, I think there's another 10, 1500 that have done something that will never get recognised for and that's just, just uh, sad, I guess. But your call out here is of... The the wives the, the the ladies who have been behind business here in Australia that has driven business. I've mentioned it before. My dad, you know, was quite well known in the southwest of WA for his business ventures, and yet I always called Mum the engine room. She was the one behind the scenes, doing the books, making sure the invoices were going out, making sure everything was being um, collected and and maintained and you know and and basically. Ensuring that dad's success was there, and yet she was never really properly recognized for it, um, which at times saddened me, especially towards the back end of her life. And yet, I think if you'd, well, I know I asked her several times, she never sought that recognition in many ways. She was just happy to be part of the success that dad had enjoyed over a long, long period of time. You, you, um, moving through the processes kind of, and you know always one of the joys for me in doing this podcast is to learn things about people that I kind of think I know. Um, but I noted um, that you rate Bill Gates as, a, as an inspiration in your life, where how does, how does Bill Gates come into play? And then then you've thrown in in a little uh, mini questionnaire, I throw at you Matthew Addison as being important in your period of growth in this industry.
1: Yeah, well, Rob, I, I, I was seen as being the Steve Jobs, actually, of uh, the Yarra Valley because I, I, I actually introduced computers into the curriculum in 1980 in uh, right. Upper Yarra. And actually uh, another person who I admire is uh, Scott Cook who set up uh, Quicken yep. in yep. 1983, the forerunner of Intuit and, yes. uh, and QuickBooks. Yep. And he, he actually observed his wife um, uh, trying to balance a checkbook on the kitchen table. And developed a computer program to try and do that, which became Quicken. Wow and uh, I, I was I was amazed as a secondary teacher because I used to teach typing as well, so um, the idea of um, seeing the computers come in and replacing the the facet and the Olivetti typewriters we used to, <laughs> used to have. but I always saw that computing was something which was spreadsheets and databases and uh, uh, and uh, spreadsheets. Not not the the programming, so a lot mm. of secondary schools were teaching programming, but i was I was interested in teaching account uh, you know, the accounting element of computers and so on and from that element, I got drawn into the education department to set up the uh, schools of computing unit, which uh, actually computerized the administration of all the schools in Victoria uh, that was primary, secondary, and technical schools so I was in Genoa Street in Moravan, looking mm-hmm. after the uh, the PCs we actually introduced all these uh, 80286 computers into schools.
0: Yes, remember and, those? Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> down down one end of the corridor was uh, Graham Inchley, who most of the curriculum were on apples, so that was the the, the big Apple Apple Mac, Macintosh and apples. Mm-hmm. But we were had we had an I, IBM PC. We developed everything in this is pre Windows in DOS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In uh, so, so we had DataFlex. Uh, a, a database program, we developed an accounting program for all the schools in Victoria, which I think is still being, still being used. Huh. So that got me into, you know, out of, out of teaching, into still the public service, but sort of setting up a computerised accounting system in schools. That then let, led me from there into uh, private enterprise, into computers. And, and uh, one time I uh, was at a session with Bill Gates and someone asked him the question, what advice would he give to his younger self and he said, uh, "Quick as a flash, reuse your code." <laughs> so that's uh, that, that, that. That to me was re- very prophetic because it's mm. uh, it's a matter of saying to all of us, we've got to work out what we're good at doing and, and keep doing that.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he's he's somebody that when I listen to his younger self and now his older self, he's been pretty consistent. Really, when you listen to his his messaging, he he, he sort of sort of had that lens on life. Early on, that many of us don't develop until later on. I guess.
1: Well, he's very, very philanthropic too. And my, uh, we, we, we didn't uh, speak about my other daughter, Melissa, uh, who, mm. who went on, and actually she, she went to uh, Sherbrooke Community School, and uh, and actually actually negotiated her way because it was a community school. They didn't have formal uh, VCE or uh, Year Twelve exams. So she negotiated her way into Monash University uh, into uh, accounting and completed, and she's a CPA at the moment, so completed her accounting studies, became a CBA, and she's now working for the Equality Institute, which is funded by uh, Bill Gates, part of the uh, philanthropic, wow. so it comes out full circle, that, that whole philanthropic aspect, which I'm very keen of at the moment to to see the... The philanthropic support of uh, particularly uh, land care groups and uh, mm. you know,
0: and environmental areas. Mm. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that before this episode is over, absolutely. So Matthew Addison, where, where's, uh, you know, especially for many tuning in, some tuning in may not know Matthew. Matthew is... Uh, one of the founders behind the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers here in Australia, and uh, certainly is is uh, well classed as one of the the thought leaders in the bookkeeping community throughout Australia, and and certainly has been hugely impactful in many people's lives and and the and the shape of, of the uh, the industry, if we want to call it that. Where where, where did you first encounter Matthew?
1: Well, I remember seeing Matthew at the MYB functions, where Matthew would be up on stage because Matthew was kind of the the father of the uh, of the of the uh, MYB partner program. Yes, and uh, so I, I knew because I also used to uh, play around with business with the three and a half inch. Discs which had MYB on it, so yes, uh, I, got I was one sort of, of getting out, getting <laughs> out there and, and dealing in those areas. But but before uh, before ICB, I knew Matthew through MYB. But I was sitting in MYB one time with Wayne Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in my capacity as uh, when I'd set up Jim's bookkeeping, the Jim's bookkeeping yep. franchise.
0: Yep, and we'll come back and, to that. Uh, too. Wayne yep. said.
1: Yeah, Wayne said, "Look, there's someone here I want you to meet." So Wayne went out and got Matthew, and bought Matthew because Matthew had his accounting practice, Addisons, at the at the mm-hmm. bottom of the mm-hmm. MYB building. So he uh, he bought Matthew in and said, uh, "You guys should talk to each other," uh, because uh, and and Matthew and I hit it off from then to see the the need to actually uh, build up a uh, uh, a bookkeeping association where which was made up of, uh, of, of bookkeepers who were looking after bookkeepers, looking after business, uh, you know, whereas most of the other bookkeeping practices out there were either accounting firms uh, offering services to bookkeepers or they were um, basically uh, accounting associations. There, there, there weren't any true associations out there for bookkeepers. Mm.
0: You mentioned Jim's bookkeeping, and um, I know that you you had a, a fairly long um, stay, if we want to put it that way, with looking at bookkeeping through the eyes of franchise. Had that occurred by then, or I think you mentioned that it occurred by then. And maybe you want, do you want to explain a bit, a little bit about how that evolved? Yeah, well, of
1: course. I think ICB came in around about uh, what two thousand and. Five or there
0: yeah, five six yeah, yeah. Six, yep. five six yeah, two thousand five six yeah, five six or something there
1: about you. Yeah. So I, I I set up a, actually because I had my own training college, so uh, uh, task force training right. And uh, one of my cli- one of my clients was actually uh, Jim Penman. So I went out and, and taught them how to do typing and spreadsheets and databases and things like that because that, that's what I was doing. I had a uh, a number of Hewlett Packard computers set up uh, in Burwood in my classroom. As a result, uh, Jim invited me to come out and uh, run training sessions for the conferences. I used to have two Jim's conferences a a year and uh, I got to sort of see all these franchises and I thought quite interesting. You had all these mowers and cleaners and so on, (laughs) all who needed bookkeeping skills. I thought what a great opportunity to set up a a bookkeeping franchise. Yeah. So uh, at that stage... The GST was coming through, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and I saw that as an opportunity as uh, the foundation. So, in I set Jim's bookkeeping up uh, in the year two thousand. Well, actually, Jim's bookkeeping was still going. I I got into it and took uh, took over as the divisional franchise, so the national franchise book. And uh, over the time, I, I probably sold about two hundred and fifty franchises wow. and about thirty regions, and used to run. Uh, regular yearly conferences, which we really enjoyed. Yep. Um, and Julie was f- fabulous support for that as well. So, and uh, just talking the other day, to a, uh, as I still remain very close friends with a lot of my, uh, you know, the gyms, bookkeeping people, and, and it, it provided a great foundation for them to build their business. Yep. And uh, a lot of it, even though it's, it's kind of be see, seen as just buying a, buying a, a job in some cases, uh, at least the franchise gives you a model to work from, but I realized in setting jim 's bookkeeping up that it could never provide the industry foundation that icb does so i was I was passionate about seeing ICB succeed because I saw that was the only way that bookkeepers would be given a foundation and uh, and Matthew you know getting back to the the inspiration that Matthew is—he's not only inspiration in relation to the work he did with ICB and MYOB, but also now with with Cosboa. Uh, I've seen Matthew in many cases you know, on various committees. Yeah. Uh, just, just uh, really, you know, put, put people under pressure at times. I mean, uh, public servants don't particularly like the the pressure that Matthew asked with the question, but he's he's passionate <laughs> about business and passionate about bookkeeping, and uh, and that's inspiring.
0: Absolutely, indeed. And um, we are the beneficiaries of that, absolutely. I'm in the privileged position, obviously, of seeing that on a regular basis. And um, the the growth of our bookkeeping community is very much invested in what happens in the business world, of course. And uh, to have that foot in the door, I guess you could say, is has always been really important, as Matthew has also done for many of us with his foots. <laughs> with foots feet in the door of, of government and uh, you know certainly uh, I'm again the beneficiary in the role that I play with ICB today because of that and those connections that we have in that respect I think is probably the the better word um, that we have inside those um, you I, I th- sort of threw a, a few very very vague um uh, questions your way prior to this session, and you listed building a national bookkeeping franchise as, as being a challenge, but then you also listed losing a national bookkeeping franchise. Do you want to explain what that sort of means? Yes, well,
1: it's interesting. Mel, Mel another a colleague of ours, Mel Powers, and she wrote a book on how to build a million dollar bookkeeping business. Um, I, I could write a book on how to lose a million dollars <laughs> uh, uh, because. Over the time, I suppose we, we, we probably would have um, had revenues of around about $5 million or so with Jim's bookkeeping over the 15-odd years that uh, we were running it. Uh, and But we ended up probably paying out about $6 million. So we're still paying off bills now and debt now, uh, even at our age and on the pension from being in a franchise. So it's, it's, it's a risk of business that there's... You've always, as a, as a business, you've got to look at money coming in and money going out. Yeah. And uh, at times, like in franchises, if you're not selling franchises, uh, you're not getting the revenue in. Mm. So um, uh, it's, a, it's a lesson in business that um, you can, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a great uh, experience but, it, you know, it can come at a cost and, uh, the unfortunate thing about a gyms franchise is that um, the franchisors can vote out the divisional and that's what happened when my <coughs> daughter got sick. She, uh, Christy fell off a horse and uh, she had to have a lap band removed and uh, she ended up having a, um, a horrible operation where, which was life-threatening. So she was in um, intensive care for a number of, number of days and we nearly lost her. And uh, so yeah. our attention had to go to supporting our family and uh, that course. took our eye off the off the franchise, and uh, we ended up losing the franchise and uh, it 's been very difficult so while i 've had wonderful mm. experiences in a lot of areas and, and great and i wouldn't wouldn 't uh, swap any of the experiences i 've had. Uh, the one area I haven't had a lot of success with is uh, financial success,
0: unfortunately. I think it's a, a challenge or a, a, a reality that um, so many who are tuning in or listening in right now would would re- resonate with, um, that that challenge of finding that balance between, you know, running and growing and developing the business and probably more importantly, maintaining the business when at the same time, those who, who are really important to you, your family, facing challenges of their own. And um, we've heard that, you know, through several of the episodes that we've had since we started this podcast. And it's one that uh, I don't think anyone's really got any, you know, magic wand to fix. Um, you have to go where your heart tells you to go. And, and thankfully, i got to say, John, I know financially it may not have gone too well for you, but you, you know, the love and the and the, the passion you have for your family is showing through. It's interesting with the gyms,
1: you know, looking back on the gyms area, that was uh, a little bit of naivety too because I thought all mm-hmm. these gyms mowers and gyms cleaners, because one of my and a lot of our, our members would, would relate to this, uh, just the, the enjoyment you get out of setting up a new business. And, of course, uh, you know, gym still at the moment uh, would get about 100 new franchises every, every, um, uh, every month. So wow. there's a lot of new business owners coming into even though a lot of franchises only last about uh, three or four years, uh, there is a lot of um, uh, turnover. So you've got these new business owners coming in. And to, to set them up with a, an accounting system like MYB or Xero or QuickBooks and yep. show them you know, the, the fundamentals of actually capturing their information and how bank feeds work and how sending invoices out and, uh, and, and setting up the structure so they can understand their commitments to things like franchise fees and, and, and other expenses is fantastic and uh, I really still get a, a buzz out of setting up new businesses but uh, <laughs> the problem is, of course, that all of these, all of these franchisees, uh, you know, the, the cash side of business is, is pretty important to them as well and uh, the last thing they want sometimes is a bookkeeper coming in to show them how to run their business. So that was uh, unfortunate. I mean, Jim could have made our business overnight by, by stipulating that all, all the franchisees used Jim's bookkeeping, but that, that never happened
0: no right okay and and uh, Jim was very vocal himself throughout the pandemic around a number of government decisions and and the impacts that had on small business. I must admit there were times where I was cheering him on and I don't know him uh, in the manner that you do, but he certainly um, he certainly doesn't mind disrupting by the looks of it and uh, he was uh, pretty clear on on his on his opinions during the the pandemic, and we're probably starting to see the real results of that right now. Um, in an economy that 's uh, at best struggling or guess I guess you could say
1: Yes, yeah, so, well, well jim Jim well, Jim was also inspiring it just over the area of customer service and so on it was just uh, yeah. it was interesting just to be so close to other divisions and just seeing uh, it was really at the coal face of business i I had a fabulous experience just uh, you know by being seeing thirty odd divisions you know across things like uh, jim 's diggers and test and tag and uh, uh, paving and so on. So you'd see all these different aspects. So, so from that element, I, I, I had an incredible kaleidoscope of uh, experience over various business
0: types. When you sort of now start to come out the other the other side, you might say, of, of, of um, well, well, I won't suggest you've come out the other side of, of the financial struggles that you've had. Um, I'm not positioned to be able to comment on that, but as you come out of the other side of of what happened with with the franchise and the Jim's bookkeeping experience, are you still an advocate? Do you still believe that there's a lot there for people to be able to invest in? I think, yeah, the the concern
1: I've got, and it's the same way that, you know, people have to pay GST and they've got to realise that uh, they've got to cost that in. So uh, GST is always going to be uh, an expense that you've got to pay, so you've got to make sure that that's put aside. Same thing as income tax. So we've got to teach that to our clients. And franchisees have to realise too that the the franchise fees are there. I've still got a number of uh, Jim's, Jim's clients uh, but they've already got an established base. So while gyms is good to get you started, you probably don't always need to have it. Yeah. Whereas something like ICB, I'd say you'd never outgrow ICB. ICB is always there as a important uh, uh, partner of your, your bookkeeping business and you only need to look at again, something like COVID-19 and see the support that... Uh, that uh, ICB gave with templates and other yeah. areas. It's, and uh, even like I, I, I still run a monthly ICB network meeting and I really enjoy that interaction, yeah. even though we had to do it over Zoom a number of times. <laughs> it's great to be able to get the uh, fellow bookkeepers together because quite often yeah. your, your partner doesn't understand bookkeeping, your client doesn't understand bookkeeping. Your friends don't understand bookkeeping, but once a month they get get together at an ICB network meeting, and uh, be able to go through the newsletter, the ICB newsletter, the the current issues. Yep, and uh, just share share war stories is, is
0: really important. And we love it and, you know, really encourage any networks, uh, network groups that are listening in on this right now to, to take that exact approach, you know, to get together and make it a discussion, unpack the newsletter, you know, pull it to bits, you know, and, and, and have those robust conversations. That's what really grows a bookkeeping practice, a bookkeeper's toolkit in my opinion. And just circling back to something you said a moment ago, I was talking with a member only the other day and I, I sort of threw at them, you know, what is the most important Thing that you take to a client on a daily basis, and and without hesitation, she said, "ICB." I went, "Well, okay. What do you mean by that?" She said, "Just the fact that I I know I've got ICB to fall back on and and reach out to when I'm with any client, whatever it is, is is my number one." Uh, tool in my toolkit and I thought, wow, that's, uh, you know, it's a, gr- a great call and it evidences what you just said. W- w- those early days of ICB, have you got recollections of those that you wanted to sort of just share, share for a few minutes? Yeah, well, the
1: roadshows, I really enjoyed uh, the early roadshows of uh, going around with Rick and, it was just Rick and Helen and myself uh, initially when we went around and the team grew. Uh, but that was that was fabulous, uh, just seeing our members uh, that's always very important to get out there, and uh, that was that was great. I mean, I, I I didn't do much of the speaking there, but I it was it was fantastic to uh, uh, to experience the roadshows, and and also just some of the the greats of our industry. And another guy I'd like to mention is like Rick Rick Freitag, who hmm. who developed a lot of our resources for ICB. And I was mm-hmm. just talking to Rick Rick the other day. He's moved up the Mansfield, and uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Rick and um, also, his website and tell people that just to jump on onto rick.com.au, mm-hmm. it's a brilliant resource mm-hmm. uh, and uh, something really that uh, the bookkeepers
0: can, can, can benefit from. I totally agree, John, when I was uh, um, wet behind the ears or whatever term they use uh, starting out back in the late 90s or mid to late 90s with my bookkeeping practice, uh, the absolute go-to man, he was almost like a rock star if you went to a conference, was Rick Freitag. <laughs> uh, you know, people would just flock to him because he just had this incredible Generosity about him. He would give away any tool that he developed that he thought would be advantageous to any of us. It was never any question of money in a lot of cases. It was just simply, he just wanted to share what no. his journey was on. And uh, he was, I, I, was I, I was only cleaning out my shed, believe it or not, last weekend. I found a couple of discs and some, something I'd copied uh, that <laughs> Rick had given me. So, uh, yeah, I, I can definitely agree. Rick's, uh, Clearly, one of one of the legends of of our industry across a, a long period of time. Yeah, hopefully, you're going to have a future podcast for him. Absolutely. He's definitely on the radar for sure as there are so many people I've got on my radar to, <laughs> to track down. We've got some incredible people who've um, influenced and you're one of them, John, clearly influence what we all do on a daily basis and that's why it was so important for me to capture your story today, Rick's another. We've, we've already had episodes with the likes of Matthew and um, many others that have played such a crucial role. I'm also keen to capture those who are at the start of their journey. As well, you know, and to hear from them and to hear about the challenges that uh, that they're having. So uh, yeah, we've got so much, and uh, I'm I'm really uh, thrilled, of course, that this podcast is resonating and making uh, people yeah, maybe have a smile, and 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 it, also that that part of educating. And I wanted to sort of touch on that before we do start to wind down. I know that um, one of the things that you've you've also you know been very passionate about is the importance of mentoring. Do you want to? Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yes, well, again, the, the gyms experience was fantastic in, in uh, having people actually pay to have you mentor them. Uh, a lot of bookkeepers can't afford that and that's where ICB comes in and uh, also ABBS, another you know, a, a call out to uh, uh, Rob, uh, 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 so, you know, that uh, uh, area as well, Um of uh, mentoring, and ICB mm. have got a number of mentors. I think There's a mentoring service through ICB, yeah, which is very important. But, but the the best mentoring service I think is is rocking up to one of the ICB network meetings. Yeah, and there's Absolutely. a lot of people there, yeah. uh, who are who are
0: uh, very keen to pass their experiences on to people. Spot on, John. Um, that's something that we're trying to put position that more and more. That importance of the network meeting and that importance of those conversations that you spoke about, um, those robust conversations, I guess you'd call them. Um, I would um, I would really, really encourage anybody who's not part of a network meeting group at the moment to reach out and uh, to find out where your local meeting is and when it's on and, and get involved. And I, I, I'm thinking you're referencing Rob Boone in uh, that previous? Yeah, probably, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, he's done a fabulous job, and many of us rejoiced in a recent post he did where he uh, introduced another young person into the bookkeeping community. Um, Fantastic job Rob's doing, and a number of others around Australia with that that mentoring, the mentoring programs that they've developed. So I want to now just spend a few moments talking about, we've talked a lot about the past, but now for you very much, you've gone into a deep passion, I know, and that's your interests in land care. Uh, You've mentioned about volunteering um, and you might want to expand on that a bit more. But in particular, you, you flagged with me a term that I'm probably, I'm a little bit green about, so I want you to explain to me and that's the term <laughs> environmental accounting. So tell me a little bit about, firstly, what you're doing with land care right now and then also explain to me a little, educate me on in, environmental accounting.
1: Yeah, thanks, Rob. Yeah, well, again back to the, a, uh, the apex days and so on, the, the volunteers, and you'd, you'd well know with sport, if it wasn't for our volunteers, we just wouldn't be able to offer... Yep. a lot of services that are available. Uh, it's just unfortunate that, um, well, two things. One, that we don't rec- we don't say thank you enough to those people. Yep. Uh, and the other thing, that financially there's a cost. Now, it's okay if you've retired with lots of money and you want to go be- become uh, a, a phil- philanthropist, um, but there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of money on pension who've still got a lot to give. Mm. And... Uh, uh, I got involved with, um, I suppose, because when we took over the property, it was infested with blackberries, and uh, we just had the um, the Black Saturday fires through as well. So there was a group uh, forming around here, the local land care group, to try and uh, get rid of the blackberries. And there was some funding available after the fires, so we bought spray rigs and got heavily involved in trying to get rid of the blackberries. And I'm still. Digging, digging the buggers up on the property <laughs> at the moment. So, mm, it's a,
0: mm, never ending.
1: Another, unfortunately, I, I can't use a Massey Ferguson for that, but no. I've got to use my uh, <laughs> blood, Hands. sweat, and tears to dig out the blackberries <laughs> because they're, they're per- very, very pervasive, and they send out daughter, you know, daughter plants and all sorts of stuff like that. So, blackberries are hard to get rid of. Same as cape weed and so on. Yes. Yep. So. um I got myself involved and I'm now the treasurer and the president of the local land care group, uh, the network group. And from there I got involved with the Victorian uh, land care group, Landcare Victoria, and I'm now the treasurer of Landcare Victoria, which is interesting. So they got me uh, to the National Conference recently and uh, you see the wonderful work that's been done by land care groups all over and... Uh, there's a need, obviously, all those groups, this, this area of, uh, uh, of, of managing their finances proper properly. Yeah. And um, qu- quite often, and there's quite a lot of uh, payroll issues there too, and as we know, there's enough bookkeepers out there struggling with payroll. Uh, a lot of not-for-profit organisations yeah. find it really hard. So, yep. so I, I see that's an area that, that um, ICB could provide um, uh, probably training uh, specialised training in that not-for-profit sector, uh, but I'd encourage the not-for-profits to pay for their um, uh, their treasurers. Mm-hmm. I, um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't like to see that um, ICBM members expected to do do it for nothing because uh, yeah. unfortunately a lot of our members don't get enough. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's the dichotomy. How how can we how can we encourage volunteerism? Uh, And and maybe the opportunity there is for the the uh, the federal government to offer some tax incentive that if uh, if you if you act as a uh, an executive officer for any not for profit organisation, you get a uh, a five hundred or a thousand dollar tax rebate or something, just something Mm. small, but just small recognition of how important our volunteers are.
0: Yeah. No, I like it, John.
1: Well, I, I attended a thing the other day. It's like OHS that there's a whole new thing coming up now to actually train people uh, to do auditing and to actually, to be able to go out there and assess environmental accounting. So uh, a friend of mine actually produces um, soy milk uh, over in mm-hmm. Japan, sort of a uh, uh, happy, happy soy, I think it's called. And um, uh, he also runs a, a bookkeeping business, and uh, he he said that uh, they get people come in and, and assessing their packaging, uh, their growing, uh, their transportation, everything, and actually they get a they get an environmental uh, um, assessment on that. It's kind mm. of like your environmental footprint, you know, your your carbon footprint.
0: Yes. And yep. so
1: he goes and he goes and actually trades. He he buys uh, carbon credits to offset yep. that cost. Yep. So you've now got the situation, there's going to be two balance sheets. There's going to be a balance sheet which shows the financial aspects of a business, but there's also going to be a balance sheet showing the environmental impact of a business. So right. that's going to be quite interesting because you've got the issue now, if you if you really dig into the uh, dairy industry and see, yep. you know, the costs associated with dairy industry and, uh, and land clearing. Yes. Uh, that has a... Enormous impact, so land care is talking about doing things like planting trees for shelter belts, getting people to understand you don't need to clear all the land uh, and there's a lot of success stories in showing you know tree planting issues in, and grass planting and it's something everybody can get involved in and and even to the extent I went to a a, a, a workshop just the other day on on uh, native bees, and they said there that one, one in every three bites is actually from a bee. So every, every mouthful, one, one of the three mouthfuls you have hmm. uh, uh, when, you, when, you, when you're feeding is from a, from a bee. Wow. So if we're not getting the pollination out mm. there uh, from, from, from our normal bees, our honeybees and our natural bees, well, we're going to have massive impacts. So, so there's an imperative out there that we all get involved with land care and we understand a little bit about uh, you know, infectious plants or, or you know, uh, and animals, and uh, we've got problems with foot and mouth disease and, and other issues that we've got to be really careful of in Australia because our farming industry is very important to us.
0: John, uh, I could literally sit back and listen to you talk about this subject for for the next hour. Um, you mentioned about um, the uh, the balance sheets of of book bookkeepers and uh, accountants and then the uh, balance sheet of um, the environmental balance sheet but uh, we we need to bring this to an end and i started with three opening balances of your balance sheet of the john burst balance sheet and we're going to finish with three for the for the listeners of the john burst balance sheet um your, your vision john your passion especially i know for land care you you and i have had a couple of uh conversations Around this over the last few months, and and we definitely are very keen to see where we can take this with the inside ICB because we do believe that there is um, um, some definite scope here to do that. Um, so watch this space for those who are listening in. But uh, let's finish off with three um, three uh, closing balances just to, to to finish off understanding John Burse the man and John Burse the uh, the person. Um. I started out by mentioning that uh, you know it's a bit unusual in the man's world, sorry, in the bookkeeping world for for us men to be involved. I think only 15% or thereabouts, and I always reflect on when I'm explaining to people about bookkeepers that. Uh, probably the atypical bookkeeper of the 1930s is if you go back and watch that movie, The The Invincibles, and the bookkeeper who, uh, well, according to the movie, brought Al, Al Capone down, I think it was, from memory. Um, and he was yeah. sort of like that short, balding, you know, sort of guy that, you know, just slunk around in the corner and, you know, didn't really play a role other than to bring down one of the greatest, uh, you know, uh, arch enemies of, of, of government in, in history. I think we've moved on since then, John. I think we a little bit more uh, robust in our bookkeeping approach than just somebody who sat in the corner and didn't say much. Um, but I want to finish off by asking you what was, what is your all time favourite movie? What's the movie? That was a long way to get to there, uh, by the way. <laughs> but uh, what's your favourite movie of all time?
1: Oh, gee, uh, probably Catch Tree 2.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm oh yes, yeah, I'm uh, I've watched that one probably three or four times now. I loved love catch twenty two. <laughs> yeah. No. And Lord,
1: Lord of the Rings, I, I, I enjoyed the book. Yeah, right. yeah it's, it's it's a matter of sometimes, you know, the, the film not, not living up to the book, but yeah. Uh, yeah. but you've got a uh, you've gotta marvel at the, the, the Lord of the Rings as a
0: film and stuff as well. The book was the impactful thing in, in most schools of the 1970s and 80s, I reckon. That was the one that uh, we all had to sit and critique and do all the things you had to do in English class was The, the Lord of the Rings. So, um, all right,
1: very and, and good. Probably the, 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 and, and to serve with love. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I also had a stint one stage as a, I was assistant principal at a, a special ed school. I was mm-hmm. a, actually the first externally appointed principal to a self-governing school in Victoria mm-hmm. and uh, one of the kids who, uh, uh, you know, came up to me at one of the, uh, the social functions and stuff and uh, and she asked me for a dance and, you know, the, to serve with love just really resonated about the importance of, uh, of teachers and education in the lives of kids.
0: Yeah, so Sidney Portier, I think, was our uh, – I don't know yes, if he was a right. I think yes. he was in the end, but Sidney Portier. And if you're you're a bit younger and you're not across it, go and, go and uh, check it out on <laughs> Netflix or whatever streaming service is, is uh, toting that one out these days. It's a, it's an all-time classic, absolute classic. So second last um, John Burst's balance sheet closing item. What, what is what is your, and you can answer this very briefly or whatever way you want to, but what is your favourite way to relax these days now that uh, perhaps uh, you've got uh, a little bit more time on your hands? One word, the farm. The farm. I had a feeling you were <laughs> going to say that. Absolutely. Brilliant. And, and last one, John, and, and I really want to wrap this up by saying it has been an honour. I feel like it's been an honour to capture your story and I hope we've done that with uh, with with due respect and but more importantly, you know, captured it in a way that you, you feel as though um, does tell um, part of your story. We would need 14 episodes, I reckon, and even then that may not be enough. Um, but if there's one thing that if you could look back now and uh, I reckon you've still got plenty to, to give and a long way to go, John, but if you look back now at the point you're at now, if there's one thing that you feel most proud about as being part of the, the bookkeeping revolution of the last 30, 40, 50 years here in Australia? If there was one piece that you would class as something you're proud of, a piece of legacy that you, you, you're happy to, to acknowledge you played a role in, uh, what would that be?
1: Uh, I, think, I think probably our uh, end, of, end of financial year events. Um, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. uh, uh, I I hosted the first one of those, uh, and Matthew and uh, the team didn't think it was going to work, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, fortunately, ICB did underwrite it. But um, but that was great, even even though we had a uh, a problem with the airlines. All the airlines got cancelled because there was a volcano somewhere, and people had to find their way back all over Australia. Yes, (laughs) yes.
0: But that was just.
1: That was just brilliant. Uh, We had the uh, sort of a—I think it was an overnight stay as well. So, the idea of actually having bookkeepers come come together for the end of financial year function—that was that that was that was great. And now it's it's wonderful to see ICB not only runs the roadshow and end of financial year, but we're also the uh, uh, the terminations um, uh, workshop too. So that's three major. Sort of activities yeah uh, still think you could uh you could make the um the online ones a bit cheaper, but yeah. um, that's <laughs> okay. okay Amanda
0: Linton, <laughs> I hope you're listening to this right now, there you go, straight from the Oracle himself, yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I'll probably get a wrap over that one. John. <laughs> but
1: but it's, it's, it's wonderful just seeing ICB as an organisation and, uh, and the growth of it. Uh, and, and a lot of that is, is because of the, uh, the vision of Matthew as well. And I think you know, paying credit to Matthew uh, is, a, is a great way to, to finish up. Uh, he is inspiring, and uh, we've all got a lot to be thankful that uh, Matthew had the vision of uh,
0: seeing ICB come into Australia. Absolutely, but don't diminish the role you've played in that as well, John. And on that point, I think that's a beautiful point to to finish up this um, this, this podcast today. Thank you for joining me, John. Like I said, it has been a privilege and an honour to have you joining us on, on Heart of the Bookkeeper and... We, we look forward to so many things in the future from, from John Burse and, and uh, enjoy the journey ahead, John, and especially those uh, times out on the, on the Massey Fergie. <laughs> Thanks, Drop Up. Enjoy it. Cheers, John. John, we are so much the better as a profession for having had you in the profession, and we are so much better again for having heard your story in this episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper your unselfish willingness to volunteer over many many decades is owed to you as a debt of honour and simply John we want to say thank you and we as always thank you our listeners for tuning into this episode and again as always join us soon for our next episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper my name is Rob Marshall and we love your heart